Hi, I'm Eric Gloss from Workday. Welcome to the Work Talk podcast, where we discuss the most important issues facing higher education with some of the smartest minds in the field. With me today are three guests from the world of higher education. Hi, I'm Linda Howdyshell, and I'm the Provost and Senior Vice President for Academics and Student Success at Broward College. I'm Gable Chesky, and I'm the University Registrar and Executive Director for Student Financial and Administrative Services at Yale University. And I'm Robert Doulis, University Registrar at Louisiana State University. Linda, Gabe, and Robert helped mold the student experience at Broward, Yale, and LSU from building out the curriculum for the year to deciding what ends up on transcripts. Today we're talking about the journey from education to occupation and how higher ed is adapting to meet the new expectation of today's modern student. So let's dive in. Today's students have grown up with technology and have different expectations. How has that impacted your schools? Why don't we start with Linda? Well, we realize if we have to do everything faster. Students want instant responses to their application. They want their faculty to answer their questions immediately. They want to know their grades right away. Everything has to be spur of the moment and 24-7. Yeah, Linda's right. The students come tethered to the seven different devices on average that they bring with them, whether it's their phone, their laptops, or their tablets, their game machines, whatever, and they don't disconnect, and it's changing how they relate to each other, it's changing how they relate to the administration, it's changing how they relate to faculty, and it's changing how the classroom dynamic is actually, we're, we're all adjusting to that. One of the things that's really changed for us is that they do so much for themselves now that they used to have to come to someone and ask that person to do for them, whether it's schedule a class, request a transcript, get a copy of their schedule. It's just totally changed what we do and how we work with these students and the type of questions we field now are totally different from what we did in the past. They're needing assistance with, with questions that have a lot more depth to them and, and therefore we have to have the ability to respond to those questions appropriately. It's just not the same world. And the other thing that's changed is, is that we constantly have to remember that we've got to go where they are. You know, they think that email is ancient history. So a lot of new expectations then. What are some of the adjustments that your schools are, are having to make? Well, one of the things I can think of right away is our online classes. Uh, our faculty thought that they could stop everything over the weekend because we only work from Monday to Friday. But students want answers during the weekend. It's 24-7 for online instruction. So we've had to do a lot of professional development and even put some things into the uh, faculty's uh, contract to make sure that they will answer within a certain number of hours. It's a, it's a, it's a different world. Yeah. Gabe, anything you would add to that? Even at a traditional institution like us, the, the students are wanting more out-of-class experience that they can kind of bring to the class. So we're seeing more and more uh, hybrid education, flipped classes. The lectures may be recorded. It's really focusing on discussion in the classroom. So a shift in how the instructors are actually engaging with the students. How has the faculty had to adjust to the way they teach in, in response to these expectations? Robert, do you have a point of view on that? Well, it's been quite a transition. I mean, from the traditional chalk and talk, almost all of our students will come expecting more than that. You know, they, you know, they expect that it'll be the norm that there'll be multimedia in every classroom. Or very soon, they will expect the faculty will be using a learning management system 
to interact with them, to do more than just learn in the classroom, but to be able to prepare for that class before they come. And then, you know, we've done a great deal of work at LSU to make sure that our classrooms are enhanced with multimedia equipment. And it's very interesting at, at LSU, it's been a student-driven initiative. We have a student tech fee. We have a student tech fee committee that has more students on that committee than there are administrators. So what the students decide is what happens. What, what I'm seeing is that the students are wanting more feedback, you know, sooner and earlier. And because they're so outcome-driven that at the, in the end it's an occupation, but while they're in the course, it's hopefully that they master the content and get a really good grade. So they're engaging with the faculty very early on saying, give us a quiz in the first week so we can make sure we're in the right class. Give us more midterm exams so that we can know if we're pacing our way to the outcome we want. And something that's, that's surprising us too is we want not to wait till the very end of the class to give the instructor feedback. We want to give feedback in the middle of the class so that maybe the instructor will evolve, you know, to make the experience better for us. You know, this is what students are telling us. So very different for our faculty to engage with students in this way. It's, it's sort of amazing to hear. I mean, the, I, I, I would have never asked for more, more <laughs> midterms and more quizzes. Certainly not. That's a, that's a, that's a dynamic change there. What about the, the changes um, uh, meeting these expectations specific to the administrative office? Um, can you talk a little bit about what you've had to rethink or overcome? Maybe we'll start with Robert on this one. Our students now can get the basic information they need through portals and the web and other, other sources of information. So you're no longer handling those masses of students that used to come to you to have you do something for them that they now can do for themselves. Mm -hmm. So what has really changed, it's changed the makeup of our staffs because we now have people who need to interact with these students more on a one-on-one -on -one basis in more depth with regard to their particular issue. Administratively, we're using a lot more data, whether it's to schedule more classes or when do students want classes, what students are at risk, how do we get assistance to students early on, all of that is using technology and data to improve the outcome for our students. Yeah, I'm thinking of two things. One is the whole trajectory, like 20 years ago, we were planning to provide service in person, and then we went to kiosks, and then we went to online, and then we're making sure that the screen works on laptops. Now it's on mobile, and we're thinking that it's going to be unawareable at some point just the, the whole how the student will actually interact to choose the class, pay their bill, find out that their grade is posted, it's changing so radically. That's one thing that's really different. Um, the other is the students are expecting also more data. You know, when our students choose classes, you know, it's different. I, I saw when I was, went to school, you got a schedule of classes, you saw a title and you found a time and you just went and that was it. They want a description up front, they want a syllabus up front, they'd like to see the course evaluations of, of, this, of the faculty if they're available. They might even like a preview lecture to be posted so they can get a better sense of what's going on. They're shopping online for the best course experience. So, And we need to find ways to kind of provide all that content, put it out there in a system way different than what we were doing before. 
Let's talk a little bit about employability. How has curriculum been impacted by the needs of, of employers and the need to prepare students for, for employment? Our Career Center just emphasizes over and over and over to our students the importance of, of trying to do and doing a co-op education experience or internship have that, that actual experience that can help them land that first job. It's, it's very important these days. The other thing that we try to emphasize is, is study abroad, to make sure that these students, if, they, if, if it's at all possible, take advantage of some type of study abroad opportunity. It really changes their outlook and gives them a, a better view of this world. Gabe? Yeah. Um, the curriculum seems to be moving more and more outside of the classroom, um, not just to the library, but to actually having robust experiences that the students will, will turn them hopefully into a job. So for example, we're seeing labs for humanities classes. You know, we usually think labs for science and maybe labs for social science, but we're seeing labs for humanities. We're seeing more and more required ex co-curricular experiences as part of the curriculum where they, they want you to go into industry or work on a research experience not just on your own, but with a group of faculty and maybe graduate students you're participating as well. So we're, the, the parents want that, the students want that, and it, it seems to be doing a really great job of introducing the students to what the post-college experience would be like. So. Any other practical learning experiences from, from your uh, schools? Well, I could mention a couple things. One, uh, we have advisory committees for each of our programs. And one of the things that we know from our, the advisory committees, which is made up of employers, uh, is that our students lack critical thinking skills. We have been working on developing critical thinking skills in all of our programs and embedding it into all of the curriculum. One of the internships that we've talked about in the past uh, is that we had what uh, was called Workday at College, and it's a model actually for several of our programs where we've worked with a company, and the company has said, here are the skills individuals need. They've actually provided the training, selected our students to be part of the internship, and then our students have participated and some of them have actually gotten hired. Yeah, fantastic way to get really specific skills. So let's talk a little bit more about the role of technology and, and student systems. Um, how are teaching and learning methods changing as a result of this push for employable skills? We are asking that our faculty embed exercises related to particular career pathways in their courses. For example, in ENC 1101, everybody takes the basic English class, but they will read different materials. They will write different essays depending on the career that they're going into. And uh, we think that that will make it more relevant and that students will be better prepared as they go on. When you think about um, your peers who are looking how to evolve their student systems um, in line with these, these new expectations, um, what would you suggest as the first steps they should take? I think the first step is developing a vision. What is it that you want to be able to provide your students? Because unless you know what, what you really want, what's the ideal, you don't really understand the gap or what will help you uh, reach that goal. I mean, it is a collaboration between the students, faculty, and staff, and 
How do we make sure we have the tools to be more efficient about it? Students' needs are very, very important, but the faculty's ability to deliver it is extraordinarily important. And the staff's ability to facilitate it and monitor it is also extraordinarily important. So identifying, as Linda said, all those different community goals so that we know we're, we're marching in the right direction. When talking to students and parents, what questions should they be asking before selecting a higher education opportunity? Robert, why don't we start with you? Well, I think one of the most important questions that they can ask, if they have choices, is which school is the best fit for me? Which one is going to provide me with what I'm looking for in relation to a higher education experience? And beyond just general what's a good fit, I think it's important for the students and the parents to look at, well, what does what does this curriculum look like that I'm interested in? What do the faculty look like in this curriculum in that department? Because you know the 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 quality of departments can vary from from department from department in a large institution. So I think they have to dig just a little bit deeper and look at that curriculum and look at the faculty and see what that tells them. Um, parents and students should also think about. If I have special interests or special needs, will this institution be able to support me? How long does it take for students to proceed through the program at this institution? You know, how well are they placed in positions related to their field? Um, how, how happy are they about the experience that they had when they were there? Um, how much are they making positive recommendations to other people about their experience there? Well, Broward College is not a selective institution. We except anyone who has a high school diploma. And so it's not as much about fit for us. It's about being able to meet the immediate needs of students, and then the college needs to help that person feel as though they're included in the college experience. Uh, our students ask about cost. The cost benefit uh, is very important to our students. They also ask, are you offering the program in a way that I can complete in two years? So we have to make sure that they can really achieve there. Dave, any, anything to add there? I, well said. <laughs> <laughs> well said, indeed. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank my guests, Linda, Gabe, and Robert, for joining me today. Thanks thank for you. having us. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Work Talk podcast. If you'd like to watch the video version of Work Talk, please visit Workday's YouTube channel at youtube.com/workday. <laughs>